today we have a very special vegan radio show coming up because we're going to talk about meat and potatoes with Tanya K. Oh, Lord. In a world where affluent <laughs> societies have strangled the very planet which sustains them. How do we keep coming back to this? Where animals and humans live enslaved to a ruling class whose economic institutions, misguided religions, and just plain stupidity. You know it, Scotty. It wants to have be played. brought them all to the brink of, of destruction. destruction. Uh-huh. No, uh-huh. No, no. Only no. one show holds the key to the survival of an entire civilization. That's right, kids. It's vegan radio. radio. There we go. <laughs> oh, that intro. I know. It's good for more than once. Sure enough. So here we are today without Megan Shackelford. Where is she? She's uh, she's practicing for a play she's in this weekend. Wow. The Taming of the Shrew. I see. <laughs> I don't suppose she's playing the shrew. Um, well, what would give you that idea? <laughs> <laughs> she's got an excellent cackle, which would suit a shrew. A shrew cackle? Oh, that's such a not nice thing to say. Cackle for I don't mean that in a bad way, Megan. If you can possibly take it in a good way. I'm sure some of our listeners will agree. What? Well, we've gotten lots of comments on Megan's beautiful cackle. Yes, well, it is mellifluous, I must say. And for you listeners out there who are allergic to cackles, <laughs> we've got your cackle-free show today. That's right. Turn it up. Turn it up. If you listen long enough, you'll become immune. <laughs> I might guffaw a little bit. Guffaw. That's right. I might chuckle. Chuckle. Snicker. Snicker. Ho-ho. Ho-ho. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Ho-hos make you hungry? So does Snickers. You might want to check yourself at the door. Uh. Boy, it's hot in this studio today. <laughs> uh, hot enough. We're going to have to start doing the Naked News Naked again. We could combine it with our Bikram yoga or something. Yeah, we could We could get our yoga needs taken care of during the show. That's right. We've never really done a, a show where we uh, you know, did sort of a guided yoga thing. Yeah, I'm sure that would be exciting for our listeners. <laughs> hey, I have no doubt. <laughs> Downward dog. Upward dog. <laughs> Downward dog. <laughs> Are you a downward dog or an upward dog, Scotty? I don't know. I'm more of a spinal twist kind of guy. You're kind of an eagle pose? Yeah, warrior pose. Warrior pose. Oh, you think you're tough. Huh? Yeah? I don't know. It's you not think a... you're tough, buddy? Get, you want you... me to come over there? <laughs> you ain't got Megan to protect you today, do you? If I do that pose, I'll just get socked in the stomach. Socked? Socked. Why you? I had to pound you. <laughs> you're cruising for a bruising, buddy. So, what do we got for news? Oh, we got news. Um, actually, there's been quite a bit of news. Um, nutritional news, regulation news, and this is the t- this is the top news story today. Scientists develop spaghetti meat. Wow. Ag research by stock now develops method of producing spaghetti-like strings of meat, which it hopes to market commercially. Yes, a solution may be on hand for parents who cannot get their youngsters to eat meat. Studies show that toddlers and the elderly who sometimes cannot stomach meat for some reason wow. are at risk of a diet depleted in iron and zinc. Ah. Some studies <laughs> show. But ag research scientists have made an accidental discovery that may help. While investigating the binding strength of meat proteins, researcher Dr. Mustafa Farouk found Bind, that... Binds up your colon. Mustafa. 
found that meat could be formed into long, spaghetti-like strings. The product's advantages include being able to make it out of cheap cuts of meat and to dry it, which would lead to snack products. Another use for those yummy slaughterhouse droppings. Snap into a spaghetti, a spaghetti gym, I guess, will be the next. <laughs> uh, the next step is to look for a commercial partner to market the spaghetti meat. Finally, Atkins approved spaghetti. Yes, I'm getting the word out. If you, uh, if you would like to partner with these scientists. <laughs> Go to hell. You're, what? what? Never. <laughs> so that's the, that's the top story. <clears throat> well, um, good God. How do you feel about that? Um, well, you know, spaghetti meat. What's next? I'm a human chow. Human chow? Purina human chow. <laughs> well, um, that was my idea, that if, uh, if, if there was a vegan world, we could, we could feed, our, feed ourselves to the cats after, after we're done with our bodies. I see. Well, you know, I, I suppose some people are probably into that. I mean, you know, instead of donating your body to science, you could donate it to Fido and Fluffy. Right. Or be buried at sea. Yeah, that would feed the carnivorous fishes. That's right. In China, United States Olympic swimmer Amanda Beard uh, is defying the Chinese authority in a certain way. Excellent. Uh, She's swimming with a beard? Nope. Nothing like that. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. Uh, on Wednesday, she's looking to repeat her gold medal 200-meter breaststroke feat of four years ago. Uh, she unveiled on Wednesday a nude photograph of herself oh in, my a, God. in a PETA campaign urging that women don't wear fur. Uh, she was just outside the athlete's village in China at the Olympic Games. So is, that, is it breaststroke or breaststroke? Uh, breaststroke. Uh, it involves using both arms simultaneously over the head and then under the body to lift the body forward across the breast, and you sort of jump out of the water and leap forward at the same time. And this stroke is uh, notoriously fast. So she's offending the Chinese by using sexism to promote animal rights? Um, well, I would say nudity. Um, she is uh, sort of here uh, scantily clad, or not clad at all, actually, and covering her bits uh, with her hands, and says, be comfortable in your own skin, don't wear fur. Uh, while holding a poster of uh, a PETA, the ad that showed her slyly covering her issues in question, uh, Beard denied trying to provoke the Chinese. You have concerns, she said. I'm not out here taking my clothes off. We're doing it in a very positive way. I'm not trying to be in everybody's face and be harsh or negative. I want to be calm and get my voice out there. I'm doing it for all those animals who don't have a voice. It isn't Beard's first controversial rendezvous with the naked camera. She posed for Playboy last year. Okay. There you go. But she's a swimmer. And, uh, Why beard? And she's actually quite beautiful, nude or otherwise. Um, but uh, she's, uh, yeah, she, well, I, I guess the reason I bring this up, rather, you know, if this were to happen in the United States, it would just be another PETA campaign. But uh, the fact that she's out there in China kind of putting this out there, I think, brings another dimension to it. Uh, do you think that You will, can decide what that is. <laughs> do you think that will per persuade the Chinese in any way to stop abusing animals? Um. I don't know. Or will they just get more joy out of it? I don't know. I hope I hope there's nobody getting any joy out of it. Um, but, uh, well, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's up to you to decide, listeners. I don't need to proselytize about that. That's just... Send us an email. Cool. Fax us a memo. Tell us what you think about PETA's naked campaigns. Well, yeah. You know, there is something to be said for, you know, the freedom to uh, express yourself. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm all for uh, women being able to be topless in public. Sure. 
as well as men. I'd like to bear my hairiness. <laughs> and the world would <laughs> like you to. Uh, I bet if I sent China a picture of myself with a shirt off, they'd stop using animals over there for anything. I have no doubt. They'd be like, we've been eating flesh? What are we thinking? In local news, uh, for those of you who are hoping to catch the corpse flower in bloom at Smith, I'm afraid the corpse flower has closed. It's closed for business. It no longer Dang. is open, so you can't go over there and see it open. But you might still be able to smell it. Uh, the corpse flower, if you don't know, is, an, is a rare uh, endangered flower, uh, which has only flowered infrequently in the United States. It has a large bloom. It can grow. Check it out. How big do you think this corpse flower can Did you hear that thunder, Scotty? Yes. I'm kind of scared. You should be. Would you come hold me? I think the last time I was here and there was a thunder shower, the power went out and we lost all connectivity to the world. Connectivity. That's right. I know. What am I using that word for? <laughs> it's such a marketing buzzword. Scotty, uh, I'm scared. Uh, there was just storm warnings. They interrupted the last show for storm warnings. Yes, I know. I was really distressed because I was enjoying that show. Yeah, right when they were talking, they had the gay, the gay play promo. Yeah, it was awesome. It's got... Uh, Rue McClanahan in it. Rue McClanahan, she's a vegan too. That's right. You might you might catch Rue McClanahan eating at your is local she, vegan restaurant. She's a queer vegan apparently. What? Or else she's just supporting queers. We're all queer, my friend. Some well, that's another show, Scott. That's another show. All right. So the reason that this uh, this corpse flower smells so bad is it attracts meat eating beetles, and the petals look like red meat. Uh, but check it out. It gets <laughs> it gets up to twelve feet high. It can weigh fifty. It weighs fifty-three pounds. The one that at Smith, uh, and it can weigh up to two hundred pounds. Must be getting enough protein. It is enormous. So you might want to catch it anyway, because it is pretty large, and very impressive. Does it smell like durian? I'm not sure. Well, you know, if you've ever been around a meat-eating beetle, it's not pleasant. Is that like a dung beetle? More like a um, a carrion beetle or something Ooh. like that. Yeah. Okay, carry on with that news then. I will. Uh, let's see now. Let's try and switch to some health news. Yes, it's true. Uh, <laughs> you can reverse the damage from a fast food diet. Did you know that you can uh, you can damage your body if you eat too much fast food? Yeah, I saw that movie. Uh, what was it? Supersize Me? Supersize Me. That's right. His And his doctor kept warning him, if you keep on with this, I won't be responsible. Bad things will happen. That's right. Uh, well, apparently you can reverse the damage as you can with smoking if you quit now. Uh Today, if you quit yes. tomorrow, all bets are off. Uh, the main thing, and this also goes for diabetes. There was another uh, study done, and maybe these are related, uh, done on uh, diabetes and obesity and exercise and the amount of exercise that you need. Um, but the same uh, advice is here in this story, that you can reverse uh, your damage by exercising, keeping physically active, eating more fruits and vegetables, uh, and trying to get more antioxidants in general. Uh, lower your intake of fat, lower your intake of protein, uh, basically lower your intake of everything and try to have a more balanced, um, diet because after a certain point, you're not really adding mass to your body unless you're a bodybuilder. 
So they say that uh, you shouldn't be eating the kinds of foods which are meant for growth, such as milk and things like that, and that you should really... Milk is meant uh, for growing a baby calf to, calf to hum- humongous size. Yes. Well, also, I think uh, they're making the mention here... Well, it's mostly about diabetes, but I think we've talked about it before. That it also some makes of these cancerous cells grow in your body. Exactly. That's just what I was going to say. You're so, you're so far ahead of me. <laughs> it's like you're in the other room. Do you know that um, the rates of breast cancer, prostate cancer, are exponentially higher for those people who drink milk? Wow. Exponential, Scotty. Exponentially? You mean like Thousands. me squared <laughs> will get cancer? That's incredible. Yeah, that, uh, George, George Iceman. Right. His, oh. uh, his talk at the Hoedown, he was saying that um, for every serving of dairy products a day increases your cancer risk by 20%. Wow. That's incredible. Twenty percent. Yeah, and uh, and basically you don't need any zero. You can, and he and he also did those great tours. And it drains calcium from your bones. Yeah. Opposite of what you expect. Yeah, it's true. Well, that's the thing: high proteins and fats. Um, and then of course all the questionable things like, you know, blood, pus, and fecal matter. Yeah. Why I do you was, need that in your diet? I was thinking of the uh, the antibacterials and things and the growth antibiotics, hormones. growth yeah. hormones. Well, the growth hormones are what. Help increase your cancer risks by making the cancer grow in your body. Oh, growth, growth, growth. IGH-1. <laughs> grow in wisdom and grow in, grow in spirit, people. Uh, so here we have um, uh, in the news also fire bombings at the University oh, of California, no, Santa I Cruz. This. Uh, yes, two fire bombings, uh, each one aimed at researchers at the University of California, Santa Cruz. That's not cool. No, it's, it's seriously not cool. It's seriously uh, crazy. Now, I suppose a lot of these guys out there, maybe these college students, I don't know who's doing it, but they saw V for Vendetta and they decided <laughs> that it's, you know, that it, that you're, I mean, obviously they feel passionate about what they're doing, but they, they also like firebombing, which isn't so good. I mean, one of the main um, values of the so-called ALF, Animal Liberation Front, which is actually just a bunch of people doing things on their own under the banner of a group that doesn't really have any group. Right. It's more of a Like Al-Qaeda, you might say. (laughs) Now there's a comparison. Well, yeah, it's being made in law. Unlike Al-Qaeda, they only want to destroy property and not harm anybody. Right. And that's where the the AETA... And this is why this um, particular incident seems very unusual because... The people, uh, I think one of the doctors was home and with his family when this happened. Right. And that's not cool. And the other one was uh, an attack on a car. Now, mm. the thing is, it wouldn't be such a big deal, mate. Well, of course, it's a big deal. But the, the I suppose you could say that it wouldn't be in the sense that they haven't figured out who's done this. So they, and they, But they have, the news people have talked to uh, animal rights advocates, and some of them have been very much in support. Really? Of the violence um, or the use of violence, <sighs> whereas they themselves may not actually do it. They really think it's cool that there's someone out there doing it. So there's do a couple people. Do they support the violence or the destruction of property or what? Uh, well, I think they, they see it as specifically say the violence against people? Well, let's see what Bruce Friedrich had to say about it. Oh, no. <clears throat> uh, actually, Bruce Friedrich uh, has been quoted, Blowing stuff up and smashing windows is a great way to bring about animal liberation. Now, this quote is coming from uh, Consumer 
freedom. Not them again. Yes. So I don't. I I'm going to take it with a grain of salt, but this is what they say, and added hallelujah to the people who are willing to do it. Oh my God! I don't think he said that. Well, that's a direct quote. Not Bruce Friedrich. They got big quote marks around it and everything. Oh, I'm not connected to the internet, so I can't back that up in any way. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, would, so. I wouldn't uh, glean information from that site other than to ridicule it. Yes. Well, of course, they're trying to do as much as they can to portray activists in a negative animal light. rights activists. So that's that's one of the problems with using these tactics is that the whole movement gets written off as terrorists or whatever, and it's not really progressing our cause. Yeah. Well, that's precisely and, the and problem. The, and in this case. I don't think any animals are going to benefit either. I, I mean, if you're if you're going into a lab and freeing animals, you know that's one thing. But if you're going in and destroying things, or especially destroying things when there's people around that could get hurt, that's totally unacceptable. Yeah, and ulti- ultimately, you're not doing a big, you know, not doing us any favors. No, and you're not doing a lot of harm to anybody, uh, corporations or otherwise. Except for yourself, if you get caught. Yeah. Oh, it looks like Tanya K might be on the line. Let's go to a little Rocky and the Caveman music, and we'll be right back. In a sec. Amber alert, Amber alert. Weather's going crazy. All right, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, this is, this is uh, it, it does it the Hello, hello. Have to do with it. All right. Okay, Tom. Okay, Tony, we're on the air. Hi. All right. So, how we're are not, you, Derek? We're not quite on the air. <laughs> hey, Tanya, how you doing? We might go ahead anyway. Yahoo! <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? Um, oh, Darn this thunderstorm. I wish we were having one of those. Really? You should come here and visit. It's rain out here. You should come visit us and have one every day. Yeah. It's been crazy. That The global climate change has hit Northampton in a big way. 
It's been just and like they rumor. It's hitting out everything. here too, only it's all for the better. I hate to say it. <laughs> Everything's um, like so awesome out here all of a sudden. Uh, this year, Tanya, this year, but who knows what's next year. Seriously. Exactly. So, uh, give thanks while you got it. So, so I got one more news story I want to do while Tanya's on the, on the line. Really? I do. Check this out, Tanya. Tanya? Uh, is it Tanya or Tanya? Tanya. 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 Didn't you just say Tanya? Of course. I did. I'm all about the... I don't know. I'm phonetic. It's better than Tanya. <laughs> phonetic, phonetic. All right. Well, here it is. Tonya death. Some kids' meals pack an entire day's serving of calories. And I put those kid me- kids' meals in quotes. Yep. The first comprehensive report <laughs> on kids' meals at a popular fast food and chain restaurants finds that the servings are far too high in calories for a single meal. In fact, some of the meals contain more than 1,000 calories, which is almost as many calories as some elementary school children need for the entire day. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. Is that the story? That's the story. There's all <laughs> kinds of statistics attached to it, but basically... Why do you want Tanya to hear that? Because... Uh, you think she's eating kids' <laughs> meals? No, but I know that Tonya always... Uh, Tanya. <laughs> always has, act- always okay. has something interesting to add or say about almost every issue. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say about Tanya? She's very erudite, in addition oh, to being erudite. very dreadlocked. Are you still <laughs> dreadlocked? Absolutely. Beauty. <clears throat> I just shaved my beard today. You did? You did. It, it had a few dreads in it itself, actually. Yeah. Really? My dreaded beard. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel? I feel naked. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he seems quite exposed. How many people have said you look younger? I tell you, with the heat in the studio, I wish I was naked. Um, nobody yet, but I've, I've, I think Scott's. I've only seen like two people, so. That's true. And Scott never gives me any compliments, no matter what I do, no matter what I wear, Tanya. He won't compliment me. <laughs> you know I admire your sense of style. Oh. <laughs> so Tonya, Tanya. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're practicing our um, Massachusetts accent, so that people will know that this is a homegrown show. Anyways, I could do I could do the whole show in my Southern accent. Really? That'd wow. be fun. We'll do Boston. You do Southern. We'll freak people out. Okay. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> so, um, where'd you park your car, Tanya? <laughs> I know you uh, have my one. car is parked over um, about two blocks away because down here in Hollywood, I try to ride my bike as often as possible. In fact, I was all over the place yesterday. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I was. And you meet all sorts of cool people that way, and you have time to stop and talk to them, and you end up feeling like you really did something different with your day just because of the diversity of experiences and people that you have Simply because you were riding a bike and not isolated in a car. I love riding a bike for more than just the environmental slash exercise purposes. <laughs> well, you should see my new job, Tanya. Tell I, me about it. I just joined this collective called Pedal People, and we go oh. around picking up people's um, trash and recycling on bikes with trailers. It's crazy. That is so cool. That's I great. Know, I just did it to impress you, really. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. No, I didn't. Well, you can't make something like that up. No, it's the real thing. They just, even got just the like, part about impressing you is the only fabrication. They got the downtown trash too. Although I do want to impress you. Yeah. 
well. But <laughs> I think once, once you see my, uh, ca- my new cow costume at Burning Man, you'll be more impressed <laughs> with the working udders. <laughs> That's incredible, <laughs> and, man. I'll let and you, I'll let you have a drink. And what will come out of those udders, my, my fellow vegan? Um, what would you like? I can make some uh, raw almond milk for you, or maybe some something oh. a little stronger. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure how many different drinks I can have. Maybe just one at a time. Each udder isn't isn't specially marked. Well, I'm, Green drink I'm, uh, here. I'm photographing my friend's wedding, and she's making it for me as a exchange. So we'll see what she comes up with. You better make her look beautiful. Oh, well, I, she's already beautiful. I, I just have that to, won't be hard. I just have to point the camera in her direction. Oh. So what uh, What camp are you going to be at at Burning Man? I'm kind of a free tenting burner. Free tenting. Oh, so what, the walk-in camps? <laughs> How are we going to find you? Well, once you get there, you know, you can use the Internet system to, like, locate people as long as you have a name to look up your own name and to communicate with them. I can get a message to anybody. I remember the first year I was there, I decided I was going to meet a fellow fire spinner that I had been communicating with online for like a month. And we didn't know. I had no clue. I had never been to Burning Man before. I, I All I knew is it was going to be crazy. And I got there, and it sure enough was crazy. We got there in the middle of a sandstorm. It was a whiteout. And quite a bit later, of course, than we had intended. And the only thing I said was like, meet us. Meet me at the man at 5 o'clock. But we got there at 6 o'clock. So I was like, I'm going to be totally lucky if this dude's still even out there. And I I busted through the sand. It was totally white. (laughs) I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. I was riding a bike. I've never been here before. I'm thinking, is this the man in front of me even? It's really hard to see. I got out there, and it was total triumph. He was still there waiting, and somehow... It's probably the dreadlocks. He recognized me because I would have never gotten him, you know, in his mask and goggles. <laughs> well, I hope you'll expend that much effort trying to find me. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, if you wait, I won't man. spend that much effort. No? I will do it right. I will. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll tell you when to meet me somewhere, and I'll be there. <laughs> well, I'll make sure there's something good in my udders for you when I meet you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Watermelon juice. Watermelon juice. Wow, that's it. Well, uh, my friend, actually my friend who's getting married went on your website and she f- saw your uh, link to the um, hand-powered blender and she got one. <gasps> That's so awesome. I love mine. How is she liking it? I think she likes it a lot and we're going to be using it out on the playa to make drinks and blended things. Make yeah, some there's, always, like, there's always double um, benefits everything like riding the bike is environmental it's exercise and it's entertaining and also like the hand-powered blender it's non-electric it's exercise and you can tailgate with it <laughs> and it's entertaining yeah it's entertaining <laughs> so um, life always encompasses those three things have you ever tried to make like almond milk or anything with the blender how powerful is it well it's about as powerful as your bicep Really? You know what I mean? So, Since it's you running it, like, the stronger, faster, more determined you are, the smoother your almond milk is. But I do make almond milk in it. I don't drink almond milk that often, but I have made almond milk in it. And I've made pâtés. And, you know, I used to have my um, bike blender for the high-speed stuff because the gear ratio was much better with my legs and and the bicycle chain. 
Um, but really, there's not much I can't do. I can't do ice. There it is. I can't do ice. Can't do hammer. ice, but if you're a little bit buffer, you could? I'm not sure. I, I don't know who, who that would be. Like, I don't know what Popeye spinach-eating machine <laughs> that would be who could blend ice in the hand-crank blender. <laughs> well, we're going to attach a hand-crank blender or maybe a series of them to a bicycle. It's a, we're going to yeah. blend up everything. Yeah. <laughs> People bring us something, we'll blend it. <laughs> bring us your microwave. Bring us your leather jacket. We'll That's right. Blend it up. If it'll blend, we'll <laughs> blend leather it. jacket. That's not <laughs> vegan, Tanya. Come on now. Really? Well, you know, I wasn't going to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want any uh, stray dead cow skin on our blender. No. No, 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 no. no. Maybe we'll put, if we put that in the burn pile. I don't know. The whole burn, the whole burning part about Burning Man is the only thing that skews me out a little bit. In fact, I was just over in Thailand, by the way. Oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> can I tell you a little story about, it kind of relates to Burning Man. All right, a segue. It is a segue in, in, in a massive way. I went to an island called, well, uh, forgive my Thai accent, Kopangyang. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's known as the Full Moon Party Island. Really, there's not much there um, besides beautiful island, beautiful people, and these resorts that function for a week out of the year. And I use the term resort very useless, uh, very loosely here. It's more like backpacker hostels and bungalows. And it's really beautiful. It's wonderful. And the people there have created kind of a... Uh, it's a full moon party, so, you know, those implications are there. But also it has fire spinning, and the Thai, the local Thai people are the best fire spinners at the party, let me tell you. And it has volleyball, and it has DJs, kind of like Burning Man. There, there was a lack of the artistic quality that Burning Man is so famous for, for sure. But the fire spinning was quite beautiful. And uh, the only thing that bothered me, I was watching, and I was like, ooh, this Thai man, he's so wonderful at, at spinning the staff, and I'm seeing different moves and different styles than what I see in the United States or Burning Man or whatever. And I kept watching, and there, I don't know if it's like, I, I, don't, I really don't know what it is, but they weren't really conscious that we were fortunate to be partying on the ocean. Like the ocean, we're standing in two feet of water dancing our butts off and spinning fire. And when they were dipping the, their tools, kind of the, the gasoline that they used down there and the alcohol would just, you know, drip and go into the ocean, and it turned uh, me off, although it was beautiful. And I always find myself kind of balancing that delicate line in society, whether it's over in Thailand, you know, I've discovered, or whether it's back here. There's something beautiful, and there's something, like, horrific about almost every situation. And remaining healthy in your mind is the only way to keep, uh, keep being effective in the world, because you could get depressed over over what things look like. Or I feel that way go, everywhere I go. <laughs> you do? <laughs> oh, in a way, yeah, sure. I mean, you look at this, certainly living in America, the uglification, the just everything living being tarred over and all that. and You know, yeah. it does get yeah. kind of depressing. But then sometimes you go to a place and it's a nice neighborhood, the trees are really old, and it just starts to look natural and you don't feel so bad you about it. You can imagine the, crack, yeah. the cracks in the sidewalk becoming lush foliage. That's right. You, you use the power of visualization. 
Yeah. They turn paradise into a parking lot. You know? I, I think about Burning Man, you know, obviously it's out in the desert and they're very conscious about um, cleaning up and making sure to make the least environmental impact in, in some ways, uh, although there's a lot of fuel getting burned. Um, but it is kind of like a, a ritual, you know, a giant ritual of destruction and rebirth kind of, which uh, arguably right. there might be some need for things like that in a in our cultures uh, to yeah. to help us. And there's a time to throw caution to the wind, and there's a time to, you know, unleash yourself and even and contradict your own rules sometimes in the face of life, just to remind yourself that there's all options at all times. But there's also a time to go, you know what? I believe this could be different, and I'm going to try and make a change. So I'm going to love it the way it is. And I'm going to try and improve it. You know, I'm going to band together with people that see things the same way. We're going to have, you know, more effect as a group. And we're still going to be grateful for exactly how it is. Well, that's, <laughs> where, that's where we're on the same page, Tanya. That's right. Yeah. The vegan bus, that's what the vegan bus is all about. I guess we're all sort of motivational speakers, really. Really? We've got to motivate something. We could go something. on tour together. We there you should. Go. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> my, with my bus. hula hooping and your poi spinning, gosh, we we gosh, Tanya, all through the night, and the what? All through the night. Oh, through the night. Yes. Through the night on the vegan bus with Tanya K. The through the <laughs> night tour. Through the night. There'll be knives thrown. There'll be flames spinning. There'll be raw food flowing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Superfood drinks. Fire. You just, just spun fire? fired down at Tarabella Raw Cafe's second anniversary, second year anniversary last weekend. And it, it, Chef Melissa Davidson, I don't know if you know her or not personally, but she's a, not only a wonderful person, but an amazing chef. And uh, had a great time, entertained some raw fooders or some transitioners or some just really friendly people. <laughs> And then three days later, I found out that Tarabella is going to be closing the door. No. Yeah. Is there so anything please? we can do to stop this? What would you say? Is there any way we can stop the madness? Or? I don't know. I think just if you're an investor and, you know, you can make a difference, this is probably now is the time to make a difference, whether it be with Melissa Davidson's project or with somebody's project in your local area. There's somebody with a dream that just needs you that needs you as an investor, and you can make a difference, and now <laughs> is the time. <laughs> Somebody with a dream needs you. Yep. Yes. Call in yeah. now. At least invest I mean, your time and effort. And it's most idealistic. It's called the benefactor of the arts, which is a really prestigious title to have. Like, I'm the benefactor of the arts. But, you know, also entrepreneur, like, just investor is pretty prestigious nowadays. <laughs> well, if you're investing in something good. Well, let's go to, uh, I want to talk about your, uh, the elephants in Thailand that you were working with. That's a very, very interesting topic and one that's close to the hearts of our listeners. It was amazing. I have, I've, uh, as you know, I am a wandering gypsy. My soul cannot stay put. <laughs> and my entire life, I've been everywhere. I've traveled to so many different countries and where I don't speak the language and I have no clue how I'm going to eat my food and or exercise or what I'm going to do when I'm there. It's all fun to me. 
Um, but never before until this trip to Thailand have I actually done something called volunteer tourism. And I never thought of myself as a tourist in the first place. So it was kind of weird putting on those shoes. Like, I'm a volunteer tourist. <laughs> like, nobody's making me do it or something. But that's <laughs> not what it implies at all. It implies that you're traveling in order to facilitate some kind of project. And the project that I chose was the Elephant Nature Park. Um, please definitely go look this place up. Lek is a famous animal conservationist, but she's not too popular in her home country because of her stands on elephants and the way they should be treated and, you know, how to, how to keep this species, this great, massive, largest land animal, uh, from going extinct. She's amazing. So elephantnaturepark.org is the program that I volunteered for. And I, I can only explain the choice to volunteer um, from what it's so silly. Now, in retrospect, I look back and there was this viral video going around the Internet of that showed an elephant's trunk painting a self-portrait. And you may have seen it, and if you haven't, you probably will. It was that moment. I had never seen an elephant before. It was that moment that I saw this viral video that I realized how intelligent elephants are. I saw the elephant making choices and line choices and whatnot on this video, and I fell in love. I, I broke down and sobbed over a YouTube video right there. Uh-oh. And that started my obsession with <laughs> elephants. Wow. So this is it. this a real video? Is this like a confirmed... Well, it could, you know, it elephants can oh, yeah. recognize themselves in the mirror. Well, you know, I got duped by that yeah. book, uh, Why Cats Paint, a few years back. Oh, right, well. I've never really gotten over that. Now, oh, if, if I, I want to really believe in elephants, I really have to trust and put myself <laughs> out there. They're highly intelligent. They test it seven-year-old intelligence, which just means we know how to test them, and they <laughs> at seven-year-old intelligence. Yeah, I but bet if, if we tried to test as an elephant intelligence, we'd probably be about three years old. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? And they do. They pass the self-identity test. They're one of three species, baboons, humans, and elephants being the three known that can look in a mirror, and if you put a black mark on their cheek, they reach up and wipe the black mark off of their own Oh, uh, yes, I've heard of this Because test. they know it's them. Whereas, you know, a dog will bark at itself. It just doesn't have an <laughs> ego. It doesn't have a realization that it exists outside of anything, really. Well, that it, let's, not, let's not go there. <laughs> I'm not saying that makes <laughs> it's, it better it's just or worse. That just humans can't, does, yeah. My cat recognizes me in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh, well, I mean, the, the assumption then, I mean, I'm going to take it this far, is that species that can recognize themselves, you know, in the mirror, can also recognize their mortality. And right. elephants do really display symptoms of that. They have death rituals, really elaborate death rituals. They are another species that seems to cry when um, they feel pain, including the death of a loved one. And all these things are really exciting. Now, uh, wasn't I embarrassed and ashamed to be human when I got to the park and I started being shown videos of how they train those elephants to paint the pictures? If you find this on the Internet, you'll see that you can't see the entire elephant. And unfortunately, oh, no. this, is, this is really it's the most violent animal abuse I've ever seen. And unfortunately, it's cultural. This is what they do in Thailand and many other countries that train elephants. Um, it's called breaking, and they take them at about, you know, between one-year-old, that's for painting, 
and seven years old. That's for maybe training to hold tourists on their back for rides, for example, or logging or, you know, begging in the street or something. Um, they, it's called the Pajan, and the mortality rate of the training ritual is 60%. So 60% of the babies die just from being broken. It's so violent and so misdirected at a highly intelligent, social, um, gentle species that's endangered, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what I was there to do. I was there to educate myself. I was there to... Um, take care of the animals. I got to bathe them in the river. I mean, my body against their bodies, their massive uh, uh, apartment building-sized bodies. And yeah, who won? Uh, <laughs> it, You know, it really did surprise me how they have every reason in the world, especially these elephants. These were rescue elephants. They've all been through the Pajan and survived, and they've all had pretty, pretty awesome tales it, that they've lived to get themselves rescued, and they have every reason in the world to not be kind to humans, and they were, and they were gentle. They go out of their way to not hurt you when one swipe of their trunk could really end your life, and it was just awe-inspiring and impressive, and the sounds that they make when they're sleeping, and the way they treat each other, and to observe them, I chose one elephant to see if I could get to know the personality. Is there a personality I wanted to know? Can I find an elephant personality? And if there is an elephant personality, can I relate? Can I build a relationship with that complex personality? And sure enough, I chose an elephant. And sure enough, she was gentle and she liked people. And she was patient and she was watchful. She was very clever. And I could see all of these things develop it, because I chose to watch one elephant, where I could have just as easily for the entire time, you know, observed the whole herd or how they interact with each other. But instead, I thought my time would be best spent observing one specific elephant. In the meantime, you know, we cut corn. We taught at a local village school. Uh, hard work. Uh, heat exhaustion. This climate is no joke. <laughs> so I left feeling like I had my travel time in a way that I had never spent traveling before. It was more than just finding out. It was more than just having an adventure. It was making a difference, learning something, and being able to bring that back to people who have never seen elephants or people who just need to be touched by something deeper. And, you know, I have that in me. I don't even have to speak about elephants. They gifted that to me. I don't even have to speak about them for my life to have been enriched and to know that there's something more important than my little existence. And, you know, sometimes the existence of a species, the the biggest species, I think they exert gravitational pull. They're so big. <laughs> big. Like we, need, we need these little Earths on our Earth exerting their gravitational pull from across the Earth onto us. They're so us big they bend they light. know it. Yeah. What did you say? They're so big they bend light. I think so. Yeah. They're amazing. I felt, I felt almost timeless when I was standing next to them. And it's true. that It's a forced meditation. You have to really contemplate what it's like to be slow in order to get into them. And ah, the, I'm looking the at a picture of you right now on your, webs, on your blog with the elephant. You guys are out in the water. Is that, is that your picture that was taken of me during my... Um, volunteer there has the same expression on it it's like bafflement and complete 
rapture yeah. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I, I wish I could have been there to photograph you. Oh, thank you. I wish you could have too. That would have been you would have made beauty. Oh, out of beauty. Well, it would have been a beauty. collaboration. <laughs> you, me, and the elephant. I'm getting yeah, all weepy now. Forever, I'm gonna always, <laughs> I'm gonna always travel and do volunteer work. I'm planning out. I'm pl- I'm plotting out my next elephant trip. Actually, is, is there um is there something you can do for elephants in this country? Uh, uh, circus elephants. Have you thought about meeting some? There is. Um, there's two places that uh, host elephants in this country. One is a refuge. It's kind of rescued or retired performing elephants. All elephants in the United States are are performing elephants. None, none are wild, even though we used to have woolly mammoths and um, mastodons here. Right. But, As um, if you're in the zoos, right? right. Is, uh, and the zoos and the movies. You know, every once in a while you'll see a performing elephant circuit. And so in Tennessee, there's a 300-acre uh, reserve there. They don't take uh, visitors like um, the Thailand park that I volunteered at does. They want their visitors to stay for like six months. They want workers. So it's a totally different thing. But up in Northern California, there's kind of a place that it doesn't offer interaction with the animals, but you can go stay overnight and just kind of have a, I don't know, uh, a bed and breakfast experience that, that your money goes to help the park that's taking care of the animals. And you get to see the animals and kind of observe them, but not interact with them. Tonya Kay is going to be in Hawaii November 21st to 24th for the first ever Raw Olympics. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Um, It's called the Rainbow Games, and it's an experience I'm really looking forward to. It's kind of bringing the athletic raw vegan community together. And if you're down for a little trip to Big Island in November, um, they'll they'll be hosting like an Olympic game. And it will be competitive. It'll be sports oriented, and I get to judge. So I don't know if I get to hold up like really cool flashcards that say like eight point <laughs> two or something. <laughs> Probably. But either way, I three carrots. <laughs> I used to judge at a dance competition, and part of the fun of judging, as the word is so, it has such bad connotations, but part of the fun of judging is actually getting comments. The comments are the important part, and I like to think that I'm a good teacher. And so um, I really enjoy giving comments to other people about their performance, whether it be artistic or athletic or, you know, their body, how they um, use their body and how they could strengthen their body or prevent this injury. I just like watching people's bodies, motion, and performance and responding to that. So I'm looking forward to it. It's in November, late November, what, uh, the 21st to the 24th. I'm a big and body watcher myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn a lot from people's bodies, just the movements they make, the way they carry their posture, and the energy they put off. It's kind of like they're an open book as soon as you learn to read or watch people's bodies. <laughs> read that open book. Right. That's true. Some of them are more like loudspeakers. Body. Yeah. All right. We've so got the about... website for the Raw Olympics um, is rawolympics.org. 
Nice. If you want to go see what that's about yourself and come visit us and get your game on. should be fun. Oh, yeah, I could get in the potato sack race. Really? Yeah, if they have such a thing. <laughs> the, the what race? Potato sack. Potato sack race. That's right. That's for the three-legged race. <laughs> I don't know what they got going on, but I'm ready. Hey, I've been, I've been training, Tanya. <laughs> well, we, we've, we've only got a few minutes left, Tanya, and I uh, want to cover some more ground here. Okay. Looks like you've got a ebook release coming up. What's that about? It's the follow-up to January's Raw Nutritional Analysis. I published the first-ever Raw Nutritional Analysis, wherein I guinea-pigged uh, one month of my diet and gave it up to a nutritional uh, science enthusiast in Iowa. Her name is Joanna Steven, and she's the co-author. She took my diet <laughs> and broke it down. And let me tell you, I felt very naked at that point. I felt vulnerable. I was like, oh, my gosh, not only do people see that every once in a while a raw vegan slips or... Oh, what did you eat? You know what I mean? Oh, popcorn or <laughs> popcorn. toast or something. It's not a daily thing, but I also toast? think it's Toast? Did important. you say toast? To toast. Toast? Whole wheat or no wheat. I don't really? like wheat really at all. But, um, you eat toast? The, when, Tanya, one day somebody's going to invent raw toast, and that's going to be the, that's going to be a revolutionary day. I'm going to have to invent day. it. I hate to hear this. <laughs> you my raw food, my raw food hero eating toast. <laughs> of all things, Tanya. That was the important part. The important part was that I don't lie. I think there's a lot of people <laughs> out who are so stuck on dogma of the raw food diet that they don't realize that they can be humans and be 95% raw and completely healthy and, more importantly, mentally happy. That's so right. that's what I wanted to show in this book that gave a literal translation of what I ate for a month so people could forgive themselves if need be. And we turned it into, you know, where do you get your protein from? Not well, from toast, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> no, not from toast, but from all the raw vegan foods that I do eat all every day, all day. And so this ebook that's coming out in a couple weeks, that's available now at Chaos Market, K-A-Y-O-S-M-A-R-K-E-T.com. But in a few weeks, the follow-up to that, which is sports-oriented, so it's, it's the athletic ebook. And we wanted to do a follow-up because I said right after we finished that nutritional analysis. I said, I wonder how the nutritional analysis would look differently for spring. That one was written in the autumn because my diet fluctuates quite based on what's in season and local. And so I was like, in autumn, I'm eating apples, pears, and avocados. And in spring, I'm eating raspberries, bananas, kiwi, and avocados. And I just thought there'd probably be a difference. So we went ahead and did it. And this time we included my athletic regime as well. And this one's more geared towards people who still have excuses, like I need protein, I work out too hard, I need more energy, that sort of excuse. I need an excuse. You <laughs> need, need an excuse. You need an excuse to kill and torture animals. Exactly. You need an excuse. And none of them are good. Not work out. You need an excuse to There's torture no good excuse. animals. I've heard them all. You I've heard can. them all, and I haven't heard a good one yet. Me too, and I always I try to listen, but it's really hard to work with excuse makers. Yeah. So I just listen to their excuse and believe that that is true for them at this moment, and that things change all the time. And this conversation that I'm having with them 
is part of the change. The fact that they're even entertaining the conversation means that they're somewhat open-minded and that their excuse may dissipate soon in the future or later in the future, whatever's comfortable or whenever it's right. So it's, you know, that balancing act. You know, you hear excuses and you want to be like, drop the excuses. But Vegan police, you're under arrest. <laughs> yeah, like we don't Drop the sausage. <laughs> Nobody I know eats meat. Hello. Hello. It's, it's and, 2008. And it's Hello. 2008. It's archaic. For God's sakes, quit acting but like we're a hunter cave gatherers, person. man. Come on. Yeah, whatever happened to the gathering? You never hear anybody who says that say, well, I like yeah. to gather. Uh, gathering is protected by the Constitution. I'm sure of it. Is it? Only, only in groups smaller than 20. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't talk about revolution. No. Nope. We're going to talk about revolution. Only about sports. Okay. That's the only allowed topic of gathering. Ah. <laughs> Then we'll revolt through sports. How about those Patriots? <laughs> or wait, it's the Red Sox right now. Red well, Sox. hey, that's what's going on. The, the whole Raw Olympics, that's the idea. Of course, yeah, more, more and more really athletes are waking up to the benefits of a plant-based diet. So that oh, is one, one good trend that's going on right now. And vice versa. You know, I do see that uh, all the time right now. Like, athletes are like, hello, I want to be cleaner. I want to be stronger. I want to be more efficient. But also, the raw world, the people who don't consider themselves athletes, I think, are waking up, too. And they're realizing that the food you put in your body is just one facet of health. And your body (laughs) moves because it's supposed to move. And you actually gain health benefits, longevity, and detox. Um, speed up detox through sweating and you know your heart is a muscle and using that muscle gives you a long life you can eat as many tomatoes as you want but unless your heart is strong yeah. you will have a weak heart and I would hate to think of that metaphor a weak heart at least four hours a week is the new recommendation well, I think it's a it's good a, metaphor because if you're much if you're eating meat and not treating your body well you're uh, you're, you're not you're not loving as much as you can in the world, and, and loving is what strengthens your heart, too. That's so yes. existentialist, man. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. To, to be is to do. To do is to be. So Doobie you have to make your heart strong <laughs> through love and through a plant-based diet. Think about it. You know, if we're totally into animals, and we love animals so much that we don't want to hurt them, then why don't we consider humans one of those animals? Like, I really love myself as one of the blessed animals that walk this earth, and I don't want to hurt me. Oh, and I do. So we do. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think it's, you know, it's, uh, you it's know, true you that... You might be into that kind of thing. But, <laughs> oh, but it's true that, you know, with the, um, you know, meat and dairy especially, you're, you're really doing violence to your body every time you eat, as well as the violence that's being done to animals in your name. And, yeah. Uh, on and on and on. Yeah, There's so the many levels, Tanya. So many levels. So many I wish levels. I could just shake people and say, listen. But nope. They'll <laughs> awaken. They will awaken in time. I know. They awaken through love. Yes, exactly. That's why we have to make our hearts strong with love so that we can reach out to the masses. But you're right, though. Get the excuses the awakening. out of the way. Clear the clouds and emerge yeah. your true butterfly self. Butterfly. Yeah. yeah. My point is not to turn everybody into, like, mirrors of me my way is not the right way it's i want to free people i want them to liberate remove the excuses and and just become free because i really have that trust that when people are free without their excuses and they feel love 
that they make the right choices. And whatever the right choices are, those are the right choices. And coming from that place, the choice is right. Well, That's thank you, beautiful Tanya. Beautiful sentiment, beautiful. Uh, we're coming to the top of the hour here. So um, we're mm-hmm. going to have to wrap up. Thank you for having me on Vegan Radio. Oh, Tanya, it's, so, it's always so good. You're our number one guest. <laughs> That's right. And uh, Don't tell any of our other guests. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Sometime you'll have to come join us in the studio. We, we had Robert Cheek a couple of weeks ago, too, or a couple of shows ago. Another famous, celebratable vegan athlete. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're going to have Brendan Brazier coming oh. up soon. <gasps> These are my good friends. You just named my family. I know. Yeah, we, <laughs> we saw you three together in that lovely portrait. And you know I'm your daddy. <laughs> Say my name. <laughs> Tanya. Who's your daddy, Tanya? Who's your daddy? Stop tanning. Get in here. <laughs> Tanya, it's your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. All right, so the, uh, the website is tanyak.com. You can find most of the stuff about Tanya through there. And uh, you're listening to Vegan Radio on WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. And you can check us out at veganradio.com, podcasting, broadcasting, godcasting, and all that casting. Mm-hmm. Snodcasting? Snob. There's no such thing as snodcasting. Snodcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, Tanya, we'll have a great time, and uh, let's hook up for Bernie Man. We'll see you at Bernie Man. See you at Bernie. Bye. I'm jealous. Alrighty. Up next, <laughs> seeing red. Seeing red with the virtual Tony <sighs> Udell. Virtually impossible to beat. Virtually unstoppable. Virtually. Virtually truthful. We're virtually done with this show. <laughs> Goodbye, listeners. We love you. Tune in next time for who knows what. But hopefully, we'll have Megan Shackleford. Yeah. That'd be good. To add a cackle here and there. I'll just say for her, go vegan. Go vegan. <laughs> <laughs>